Unbelievable. That's Brad Williams in the background there. I gotta turn your mic on, Brad. Yes, yes. Do we need to officially start the show? We could do it officially now. Here we go. Now here's Rixel. <laughs> your chance to weigh in on the issues important to you. Where you control the Here's the guy. Starting the show. Welcome to Lacrosse Talk PM. All right, we can, we can turn on. I just needed to start the show officially. But I got Brad Williams in here today. Ron Kine's going to come on in a couple of minutes. And we wanted to talk a little bit about the auction today. Brad was at the auction. We auctioned off the Valley View Mall. Brad, the, the, the biggest question is, did they have the auctioneer? No, it, it was uh, very cut and dried. It was done by a sheriff's officer. And uh, this is... I assume because I don't go to the sheriff's sales that they have like today uh, at the courthouse, and they were reading through the uh, legal brief, and then, all right, uh, I'll take a bid. And then there was a bid, $13.2 million. Is there another bid? Okay, well, going once, going tw- that was pretty pretty much it. Did we know, was there a, a low bid? Was there we, a minimum? Uh, that was the only bid, and that was the minimum. They really didn't... Uh, Give that to Okay, us. so we yeah. didn't. Did we, did we, we weren't informed that. We were what? not informed ahead of the event today what the minimum was going to be. We knew what the valued price is, $27 million. So the, well, uh, the bid comes in. No, that was pretty much you know, kept quiet until the actual auction. But was $13.2 million the minimum amount that they would accept in a bid? Do we know that? That's what I'm asking. That's, if they would have bid $10 million, would they have accepted that bid? Uh, I think they would have. Or would that have not been high enough, like the, the no? Bank or they they that? would have they they were uh, ready to accept if you had the money to back it up, if you had the certain Cause documentation. Because it, it seems to me, so the buyer was Wells. It's uh, the attorneys for Wells Fargo and J.P. Morgan Chase, who okay. are who are the plaintiffs in the case. They are the ones uh, responsible for the foreclosure of the money that is owed to them by the management at the mall. Because if you, you get what I'm saying, it seems yes. to me after I go $13.2 million and nobody else bids, I go, oh, crap, I should have bet $5 million or $2 million. So no, it seems but, to but, me well, maybe is, the lowest bid amount accepted yeah, would have been $13.2 million. This is, And this is what, uh, as I understand, the attorney was authorized to bid. So right. it, I don't know that it was too much up to him, and he didn't comment on it. So... Uh, yeah, but his bid has nothing to do with what would have been accepted by the foreclosure. Right, if, if it had been, you know, maybe a $5 million bid, they might have accepted it if it, if it was the only bid. Yeah, that's that's just the part that I'm not completely sure about. If Because if I'm bidding on something and I go, $13 million and nobody else bids, Dang it! I should have been ten million or five million or one million. Like we could have. Why are we starting at thirteen million? It seems to me this, this, that must have been the lowest. This isn't ever. the price is right. We're not bidding on the showcase, but uh, yeah, we don't have to get as close to the price of the ball. But the, no. this isn't also. That's how auctions work, right? You start as low as you. Well, some can. of them do. This is a different type of auction, I think. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is and it isn't because an auction, when you bid $13.2 million and nobody else bids, then you automatically think, like, how many millions of dollars did I just lose? But they, they've got these whole negotiations going on, and the banks know what they want to do, and, and the uh, lawyers know what they want to do, so they come in, and this is what they do. Right, and that's why I think maybe $13.2 million was probably the lowest bid that would have been accepted. Right, and then there, there was the other person uh, we, we are hearing from, also Paul Weber, uh, 
wanted to buy a stake in the mall, and he wants to do some revival of uh, what Valley View Mall has been in the past and bring in some new things. Yeah, but he came in with a number, too, right? He, just... he came in with a number. He didn't have the documentation to back up that particular stake, buying a stake in the thirteen oh, oh, so million. He, so there has to be some negotiation. So that wasn't official. So that wasn't a officially a bid. Yeah, he and besides, bid. and that came in after the thirteen point two million. I mean, you're not, you, you can't have a lower bid after you've already taken right. one bid. Well, that's why so. I'm saying like Paul Weber should have started and gone six million, well, and then they would have went thirteen million. That would have been crazy. Why would you go to thirteen if six million would have been the first bid? But it sounds like but uh, it, it's, he didn't have there, the there are a lot of uh, a lot of documentation and a lot of negotiation going on and uh, and legalities. So that's I, I think how these things. Once again, I don't go to the sheriff sales, but here's my understanding of how this went down today. And so yep. we will have to see what happens. Not I. So it's the banks and the attorney representing, and they decide what they're going to do. All right. Thanks, Brad. Okay. That's Brad Williams, Wisdom Newsroom. He's got to go back and do the news. I'll have Ron Kind here in a minute. I got a couple of people calling in, so I'll take those calls if you just want to hold tight. One of you has got to hold. And uh, the other guy, I think this is Bill. Bill, are you there? Yeah. Hey, Bill, go ahead. You're on the air. Well, the $13 million represents the bank's interest in the mortgages that they were foreclosing on. Okay. So they're protecting their interest. That's what they were doing. They're bidding. If you want to bid more, fine. Then they, they were, mortgage would be covered. Oh, so they but already... if they went for less than $13 million, then their mortgage would have been, they would have had more outstanding mortgage that they would have lost. Okay, so they're so they were protecting oh, their interest. They're bidding on, they're bidding against them. They're bidding on their own thing. Is that what you're saying? Correct. Oh, okay, Correct. that makes they're, total sense. Duh. All right, Bill, you cleared everything up for me. Thank you. <laughs> All right. I just, yeah, I missed that part. Yeah, I thought maybe one bank was buying from another. Number three, go ahead. You're on the air. I was wondering, seeing you got Brad Williams there, if you two guys know about all the lead flying on South Avenue, two shootings the other day. Yep, they, uh, police are looking for those suspects. They'll, Brad will probably mention it on the news, and it's uh, on our website. Yep. Okay, well, I, I have, I've been listening to your news all day, and I hadn't heard about it yet, so I'm waiting to hear more. Yep, uh, wisdomnews.com. Thank you very uh, much. All right, thanks a lot. All right, we got to go to break. Ron Kine's going to come and join us uh, here in a minute. Lacrosse Talk PM is sponsored by It's a Dog's World. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line, or the text line, because I've got Congressman Ron Kind on here. He's retiring, so he's, he's going out. He's going out. Uh, you know, you gotta be you got to be pretty happy with today, Ron. The Johnny Davis named Big Ten Player of the Year, Aaron Rodgers, uh, is coming back. And, and oddly, I don't know, this isn't really good news, but a former Badger, Russell Wilson, gets traded to the Broncos. Kind of crazy sports. Big, day. big, big sports day today for Wisconsin fans <laughs> and that. But first of all, kudos to Johnny Davis. Just lights out season he's had. And his brother Jordan, so proud of those guys, Central grads. And look at them just lighting it up in the Big Ten. And, Rick, you know, I may be going out in a blaze of glory, but how do I find another job that guarantees me $153 million uh, that Aaron Rodgers just got in this new contract. Well, I, I would just make the joke, Ron, that you you Congress people can uh, you can you can.
trade stocks. So I, I would just that that's the that's the issue there. For the record, I never have. I, I've only invested in some index funds, not individual stocks. But maybe if I threw a tighter ball when I was playing quarterback, right. we'd have a different conversation right now. Yeah, for sure. Is there is there something to uh, Congress people not shouldn't be able to trade stocks? It was just real quick. Yeah, I think we shouldn't. I mean, I've I've never traded individual stocks because of the inherent conflict you could find yourselves in dealing with policy that's going to affect these these companies. And I think we ought to pass legislation now banning individual stock trades. Or at, at a minimum, there should be blind trust in any holdings that individual members have. So I don't have a problem with that. Just just the appearance-wise, it, I think it would be a, a good thing to do. This is your last year here in Congress. Um you got to be kind of kind of like the athlete that has nothing to lose. You can you can set you can burn bridges, set everything aflame. Like you you got to be that guy. What what kind of bridges can we burn right now, Ron? What what do you want to just just get off your chest in twenty? What is it? Twenty six years in Congress? Twenty six years? Yeah, it's it's a long time. But listen, uh, I'm not out to burn bridges. I'm not out to ruin my reputation in the final year either. I've worked hard, and it's been a great honor being able to represent my home area in a place like the U.S. Congress as a kid who grew up on the north side of La Crosse. My dad, a telephone repairman, if someone had told me as a kid I'd one day be serving in Congress, I would have thought they were crazy. So and in a certain respect, I've been living the American dream. And politics have gotten tough. It's a contact sport. It shouldn't be this polarized or this nasty. It is right now. And we got to figure that out as Americans, of how we can uh, disagree while not being so disagreeable, be civil and respectful to each other and and Lord knows we're heading in the opposite direction right now. When uh, you, you're, you obviously we're talking about your retirement, the um, mall was up for auction today. If you wanted to spend some time, you could have <laughs> bid on the mall today, and perhaps you would have had a little side job when you're done. Yeah, I think it was a fire sale too. Didn't they get like half the asking price or something in that in that auction? And it was only one bidder. So yeah, the, and from what I understand from a caller that knows apparently more than I do, the bidder was themselves. Like the bank, the bank bid on itself. <laughs> At thirteen million, because that must have been, and nobody yeah. else bid. So yeah, it was yeah kinda... well, to cover their interest, probably they had probably had an outstanding mortgage that wasn't paid off, so they had to at least cover their interest in that property and make sure they were protected there. But you didn't have... have you heard what? What are they going to do with it? You didn't. You didn't have thirteen mil later out, or thirteen point three mil? I guess it would have took. <laughs> No, if I do, it's going to go into fishing gear and maybe more bow hunting gear. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I figured. Maybe you'll start a pro shop somewhere. Right. Um, But, okay, so real quick on Russia-Ukraine. I'm trying to fly through these things because I only got you for a little bit. Uh, Netflix, no more Netflix in Russia. McDonald's is pulling out of Russia. Um, Stuff like this seems a little strange to me because um, I get it. How do And these seem like weird differently. They're kind of sanctions, but they're not. Obviously, the government can impose sanctions. Can you explain to me how sanctions work in, in that they're going to force Russia to do something, but sanctions to me seem like something that really hurt the people that live in the country that are just like me and, oh, you're, you're in government, so not me and you, but me and almost everybody else uh, that, have nothing, that have nothing to do with this. But uh, can you just kind of, do you see where I'm coming from here? Yeah, yeah, I hear you. But first of all, I mean, if you as a country lose Netflix and McDonald's, you're doomed to fail within a, within a week. Yeah, I figured. They're, they're going to crumble soon. I thought the war would be over after those <laughs> announcements. Yeah, exactly. Well, listen, I mean, we've, we've had the strongest sanctions regime in the history of the world coming down on Russia. And it's certainly going to have a huge economic effect. But perhaps more importantly, it's going to have a huge impact on the Russian army. I was in London a couple of weeks ago uh, having discussions with our U.K. and European allies, making sure there was no daylight separating us 
uh, on the economic sanctions, especially the high-tech export uh, controls that we're imposing on them. Think, you know, software, computers, telecommunications equipment, microchips, microprocessors. The world runs on microchips now, so that's certainly going to have an impact on the economy. Armies run on microchips, and that's going to have an impact on his army as well. But I think Putin has just completely miscalculated the situation. He was relying on a divided Ukraine, a divided Europe, a divided NATO, a divided United States in order to impose his will, and just the opposite has happened. Uh, The free world has united uh, against him, and so I, I see a world of hurt coming down on them. The ruble's in a free fall. The stock market's declined by 50%. They've had to had that closed for over a week. Interest rates are skyrocketing in, in Russia. Prices, Consumer prices are skyrocketing uh, already. All the uh, Their entire international banking system has been cut off. And uh, I, I, But I don't see an exit ramp for Putin right now other than carpet bombing and leveling these cities, which I hope he doesn't do, but... He's kind of a caged animal right now and very dangerous. Well, that's what scares me is you, you corner this dude and he's apparently, I mean, he's so, he's pretty old. I think I just heard recently that the, the like life expectancy of men in Russia are right around where Putin's age is, even though, you know, he's probably been living a, a little bit better life than most of his citizens. Uh, you corner this dude and you never know what he's going to do because, and then the sanctions seem to be hurting the people. But do we expect the people to revolt and, and, and do something as opposed to the rest of the world? Well, it's certainly possible. I mean, who predicted 1989 and the fall of the Berlin Wall and how quickly those Eastern European communist regimes collapsed? And it was people power that did that. And it was a lot of students that actually went into the streets and demanded change and a, and a better future for themselves. So the problem we have in Russia, though, is they have such tight control over their media and the propaganda that's being broadcast to the Russian people. So, A, they're not even aware that Putin has ordered his army into Ukraine uh, to the extent. I mean, they're in denial on that, so many of them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, 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 and unfortunately, what propaganda they are hearing, and this, this really irritated me, Rick, when I was in London, because over there, you're privy to all the Russian uh, media that's t- taking place. Um, they were airing for at least 24 hours nonstop former President Trump's flattering words that he had towards Vladimir Putin. And that's what the Russian people were seeing. And they were, he was using that to justify the action he was taking in Ukraine. If anyone had told me that a former president of the United States at a time like that would have been flattering the dictator that just ordered an armed assault in Europe, the first time since the Second World War, I would have thought they were crazy. Uh, and yet that was being done to justify it and, and the support for Putin uh, during all this. So we just can't have that. Uh, whether, regardless of how you feel about Donald Trump, I think he made a grievous error in that, just a poor lapse in judgment with the words that he chose to use at a time when the rest of the free world was standing up and condemning uh, Putin and his actions. Uh, okay, one more thing, because you mentioned like prices kind of going up in, in Russia. Prices going up here, and I, I sent Carter, your handler, I like to call him yep. handlers. I <laughs> sent him, I sent her uh, the, uh, the, my, my diatribe on gas prices, because everyone's just like, gas is going through the roof. Um, it's Joe Biden's fault, because of course Joe Biden wants gas prices really high to make him look bad. That's, that's, <laughs> the, that's the idea here. But while gas prices are going skyrocketing, and I understand if we're cutting, if everybody in the world is cutting off supply to Russia, then they need to get oil, whatever, however you want to put it, from different parts of, the, and then the supply and demand 
thing happens, but it seems to me like all the, the, the controllers of oil, the chevrons of the world, are making more profits now than they ever have before. So why why are we also raising prices if they're also making more profits than they ever had before? Is there a way that the government can kind of, and we see this all over the place. We talk about McDonald's, McDonald's making more profits than they ever have all these big corporations. Is there something the government can do to kind of offset the corporations making more profits ever, and then just buying back stocks for themselves. And you know, like it's just kind of a, a snowball effect. Yeah, Rick, you've been following this closely. I give you a lot of credit. In fact, I just raised that issue today in a caucus meeting. A, first of all, production is exceeding the production levels that even President Trump had during his watch. But B, I mean, to the oil and gas companies' defense, the last couple of years have been tough on them because demand was real low because of COVID. People weren't driving as much, so oil prices were down. Gas at the pump was cheaper than that. Now, all of a sudden, the world opened all at once, and the demand is far exceeding the supply. We're asking them to increase their production capability. They're trying to do that. You don't do that overnight. But they are sitting on a, a tremendous amount of leases that are not being utilized the way they should. And the quote-unquote excess profits that they're raking in right now, as you pointed out, is actually being used for share buybacks and dividend distributions. They're not using it to open up these idle wells and increase production which could have a, uh, uh, an effect on the global market prices. But, but the, the, the concern I have is as long as we remain so dependent on fossil fuels, especially oil for our energy needs, most of that's being produced by the dictators of the world, the Russians in the Middle East. And we're always going to be held captive to them when they make bad decisions because oil is priced on a global basis. So it really doesn't matter how much we're producing uh, here since it's priced in, on the international level. And that, to me, speaks for the greater need for us to accelerate our transition from fossil fuel dependency to more sustainable, renewable, greener energy sources that will create jobs in America so we're in control of our own destiny and not by crazy actions that a dictator in Russia imposes upon us. Yeah, I've seen more Teslas driving around the last couple of weeks than I ever have before, but I don't see any um, electric vehicle gas stations, so to speak. Yeah, in fact, the bipartisan infrastructure bill makes a major investment on the build-out of those EV stations throughout America, including rural America. And you see now even trucks are becoming an EV, and uh, and the torque that they bring is impressive. So I know a lot of my neighbors, i got a family farm north of La Crosse, they're worried about electric trucks and whether they can do the job and, and pull what they need. But uh, President Biden was just in an F-150 uh, electric truck, and went zero to 60 in like four seconds. And the torque there is uh, comparable to anything that is powered by gas or diesel uh, today. So we're there. We're on the cutting edge. And I think now is the time to really accelerate uh, that transition so we don't have to worry about the Middle East and, and Russia and what they're doing. We're speaking with Congressman Ron Kahn, representing the 3rd Congressional District. I brought you on, and we haven't even talked about it yet. You've been in Congress long enough to have at least one time of redistricting, right? You've gone through this at least yeah, one? Yeah, a couple. A couple. You've gone uh, a couple. That's what I thought. 2000, 2010, and now 2020. Yeah, so can you describe the when when Republicans are, are claiming that the, the Governor Evers maps are gerrymandered, um, is that a ridiculous statement, or do they have a point? Well, no, it is ridiculous. Well, actually, they are gerrymandered, but the Republicans are the ones that gerrymandered Governor Evers' map. Basically, Governor Evers took the status quo, which was the gerrymandered Republican map that passed in 2010. Mm -hmm. That's what is continuing now. And I think Republicans wanted to gerrymander it even worse 
than what they did in 2010. And whereas Governor Evers was trying to hold things harmless and maintain uh, the current status quo, which is vastly uh, uh, disproportionate against Democrats uh, around the state. So I don't know why they're whining so much, because it locks in uh, their majorities in the Assembly and the Senate and basically locks in these congressional districts uh, right now, too. Uh, my district remains competitive, and I'm happy because I've, I've loved representing a swing district because it makes you play fair and honest. Uh, you don't have to go to the far left or the go, go to the far right. You know, most people are pretty reasonable and pragmatic. And now the first district, I think, is going to be in that more competitive category. I think the, the swing there is just 4%. So, but those are the only two congressional districts in the entire state that you could actually label as competitive districts today. And that's unfortunate for our democracy. I, I wish every congressional district was as competitive as mine. And I think we'd have more bipartisanship and more common ground found in, in Congress and uh, willing to work with one another. So a decade ago when you went through this, I, I wasn't paying attention to politics. I think I was covering Winona High basketball. Um, <laughs> but a decade, ago, a decade ago when you go through this, what was, what was this conversation like? Were you like, I can't believe, I can't believe what the, the districts look like, or was it fairly the same for you? Well, it, the 3rd Congressional District didn't change that much. It was pretty much a wash after that. But, uh, you know, that was the era of Governor Scott Walker and Republican domination in the legislature. So they could draw any map they want and pass any map they want, and they did. And that locked in a tremendous advantage for them, both in the Assembly races and uh, in the U.S. Uh, Senate. And that now is being preserved under Governor Evers' map because he felt that it was the best that can be done under the circumstances with uh, divided government. So it basically locks in that 2010 gerrymandered map, which was disproportionately in favor of Republicans throughout the state. So I, I don't know why Republicans are screaming and crying so much. It's, they're basically getting what they produced back in 2010 with very little change. Is there a little bit of irony here calling the maps gerrymander? Because, we, I mean, you could just, if you're a Republican, you go, what, we took Governor Evers' maps? He's a Democrat. I would be mad, too. But is there some irony here? Because there's been legislation in the state. I know this is your, your congressman, so it's not your, your legislation. But, and I think maybe there is federal legislation, actually, to get rid of the idea that whatever, per, whatever political party in a certain election year wins that election, that party gets to determine the maps for the de- next decade. It's, to me, it's the stupidest thing. And if the, if the Republicans want to be mad about it now because we're taking Governor Evers' Democrat maps, if they want to call it that, then do something about it. Take the politics out of the, out of the game. Yeah, Rick, and that's the answer to this. It's something I've supported for years. That's the creation of nonpartisan uh, uh, judicial committees to draw the political maps now, you're never going to get a perfect system, but it's much better than having the politicians choose their voters, which is the way it's handled right now in Wisconsin. And that's uh, unfortunate. We really need to restore power to the people and get fair maps. And, and if that means setting up a nonpartisan judicial commission to do it, as many states have, and I think the results are much, much fairer than what we're seeing in Wisconsin, that's the answer to all this. All right, that's Representative Ron Kind representing the 3rd Congressional District. Ron, thanks a lot for joining us. Anytime, Rick. All right, bye. All right, we got to take a break. I'll take your calls. You can you can be as mad and, uh, I mean, I've got some all-caps, multiple exclamation, exclamation point texts to read. Uh, if you want to call me, 608-785-7914. The rest of the hour is open. So we can talk about the mall. We can talk about Johnny Davis, 
Brett Favre coming. Brett Favre. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers coming back. I got Brett Favre on my mind. Uh, ARPA money. We we had a the city had a meeting today about how they're going to distribute ARPA money. We could do that as well. We'll be back. All right. Welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM six zero eight. 785-7914 is the talk and text line if you want to get in here. Thanks again to Congressman Ron Kind, U.S. House Representative Ron Kind. I always, it's a mouthful to say it like that, but when we bring a senator on, we say Senator so-and-so. But when we bring a U.S. House rep on, there's no good word for it. Congress is a good word for it, but Congress isn't accurate because Congress represents both the House and the Senate. Uh, so I'd like to just kind of make that distinguishing fact that we uh, had the House rep on in the 3rd Congressional District. He's retiring, so it's interesting that he he has gone through redistricting three times. Uh, the only the only thing that sucks is he the, the district here in the 3rd Congressional is kind of the one that, you know, we're going to leave at, at some point after 2010. Well, they took Stevens Point and pushed it into Ron Kine's district in 2010, and then they wanted to take it out again this year to, uh, to when I say they, I mean Republicans, because Republicans win the election in one particular year, and then they therefore they get to pick the maps. Um, it is silly. It is silly that they're going to claim gerrymandering, and they're going to be mad when the Wisconsin Supreme Court, which is le- uh, right-leaning, four to three majority to conservatives, they're going to be mad when the Wisconsin Supreme Court rules in favor of Governor Evers' maps, even though they put gigantic parameters on how the maps could be drawn. And those parameters weren't part of the 2010 deal. But when they, they are mad about that and claim gerrymandering, well, you can do something about it. You control the legislature, take the whole system and change it. Take the Iowa model. The Iowa model works. I think if anyone thinks about Iowa, they don't think, well, that's a left-leaning liberal state. It's not. So why why wouldn't we just take the the whole process and change it? Uh, you're going to be mad about the Wisconsin Supreme Court taking Governor Evers' maps because Governor Evers took the parameters that they set. You couldn't move uh, so a, a, a ton of people. It was ever the least changed map, right? We're going to hear that term forever the least change map, and we'll take the one that has the least change. And so they did, and then you're mad about it because it's easy to be mad about it, right? Oh, gosh, they took the Democratic governor's maps instead of ours. We can't. It must be gerrymandered. Well, Governor Evers' team of map makers did the best job manipulating the maps to their favor without changing the population as much. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's rigged. It's rigged one way or the other. You could be mad about it. Fair enough. If they took Governor Evers' maps, or you could be happy about it. Fair enough. They took Governor Evers' maps, uh, but we we all should just be demanding that our representatives want to change how the map making process is done. Because the idea that one election in one year sets the maps for the next decade because that particular party won won that election is ludicrous. All right, that's my spiel on gerrymandering, or on redistricting, I should say, and gerrymandering, really. But uh, I thought we had, somebody texted me, well, a couple of different people texted me. Sarge texted, hey, Ron Kine, introduce the billboard self that Congress people can't trade stocks. 
introduce I, okay so essentially sarge is saying ron kind should put up a billboard that says congress can't trade stocks i don't i don't know if that's going to help but he could he could be like going round and round on on the circuit he could be posting on his facebook page congressman shouldn't trade stocks i don't trade stocks i don't know why you wouldn't tell that all the time who's going to be who's going to disagree with that we the regular folk are not are going to all agree that you people that are running the government should not be trading stocks. So there we have it. Ron Kine doesn't want to trade stocks. Now, who else? Derek Van Orden? Brad Paff? Mark Newman? Who else is running for Congress? Uh, Rebecca Cook? There's there's five people running for Congress in the Democratic field and one in the Republican field. Uh, do we make them all pledge that they shouldn't, they won't trade stocks if they get into uh, into Congress, into the U.S. House of Representatives? Uh, should we make them all pledge that they will sign on to legislation that prohibits them from trading stocks? Uh, this is the easiest one, too, because Nancy Pelosi, the, the House leader at one point, said she didn't want to do that. And then a little bit while a little while later, you know, after some public pressure, because just that's all it takes some 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 tweets, right? Some retweets uh, mad about Pelosi. And then she changed her. She changed her tone. So. That's all it takes. We just got to be mad, outraged, and uh, yell at him for a while. Whew. All right. Well, Eric Eric from Sparta. I believe Eric from Sparta is calling. Uh, it's been a while. Eric, go ahead. You're on the air. Yeah, you didn't take any calls yet. I'm just kind of wondering. That's you. All right. So I took your call, and then the first thing you say is I didn't take calls. I'm so sick of that. The the Okay, when you, when you call, and I literally take your call, and the first thing you say is, hey, you're not taking calls? There's the call, dude. I just took it. So how can you be mad about not taking calls when I'm literally taking your call? But now I'm going to hang up on you because that's uh, you get to your point, man. Um, what else do we got today? The mall auction. I, so I had a pretty good conversation with Adam Hoffer last week about what to do with a mall. And um, it sounds like somebody had a $6 million. They wanted to get in on this deal for the mall. $13.2 million it goes for. And from... Caller Bill, I appreciate Caller Bill just explaining that to me in two seconds. It made t- uh, so much more sense because I thought one bank was maybe buying it from the, o- the other, but it sounds like the bank just bought it from itself. It just put in the minimum bid that it wanted, and that was. And, and if anybody bids above that, they would have probably taken that bid. There, if there would have been one more bid, there would have just been two bids because the bank wouldn't have outbid the next person to take it. So the bank just bought it back to, from itself uh, so it didn't lose any money. So $13.2 million. I could have this wrong. I'm just going by caller bill. But it made a lot of sense to me after he, after he just mentioned that. Uh, it, and if, if somebody would have bid $13.2 million in one cent, I'm guessing the bank would have taken that in a heartbeat. Uh, and then, you know, some, some guy named Paul Weber was apparently Brad talked to this guy. He's a businessman. Uh, he wants to get in on uh, maybe some of the development of the mall. But what do you do with the mall? Because... Is the mall, the box stores in the mall, or we could call them anchor stores, they keep going under. And is it a, is it a, is it a, do they keep going under because those stores don't work anymore? Or do they keep going under because they're at a mall? Because I would argue that we just need better anchor stores at the mall. If Target moved across the road into Valley View Mall, and it's not going to, I would, I would assume that the mall would be better off. When High V goes into the mall, I think that's going to be a good deal. I think other other businesses might want to move in there because 
People are going to go to the grocery store. I live in Winona a long time. I loved going to Hy-Vee. <laughs> so, but not a not a ton of grocery stores in in Winona though. But uh, so it's just it's in a it's in a unique position. You don't have to drive way out one way or the other to get to a grocery store if you're just if you're there. I mean, it's it's kind of like in a nice location, and I think a lot a lot of other businesses will see that. And yeah, you want to go set up shop next to the grocery store because the grocery store is always going to pull in people, right? So is the mall in Lacrosse defunct because? Maybe the stores aren't good enough. So do we have to incentivize some better stores to come in there? Or are malls defunct in general because box stores aren't working out? I think if you see the news around Target lately, uh, Target, I mean, the stores that are going are making record profits. And then uh, Target is investing in itself. Uh, I think there's been a couple of different stories about Target. One was that some places they're going to have like a 20-some dollar minimum wage. That's not here. They already have a $15 minimum wage. So anyone not making $15 an hour that doesn't particularly like their job, just go apply at Target and uh, start at 15 But also, they're going to invest in themselves. They're going to you know, uh, either expand or just betterment of their stores. They're just going to make their stores a little bit better. Um, but could, could stores like that, so stores like that are thriving. I think Dick's Sporting Goods right next to the mall. It used to be part of the mall, like just that ownership thing, but it's separate now. I think that store is doing pretty well. Um, what stores? Uh, Kohl's. I, I don't even think there was a story on Kohl's just recently on the AP wire. I didn't, I don't remember what it was about, but I don't, I don't know if Kohl's is doing so well. It seems to me that clothing, clothing stores should do a little bit better than, uh, than just a regular store because, you have to go try in the clothes, right? Like, why would it be hard to shop on Amazon for clothes? But apparently, that's what people are doing because Kohl's, I don't, they, they do, they weren't doing so great a while ago, but now it sounds like they could even be bought out. But um, yeah, so I don't know. It just seems like if we had better anchor stores in the mall, how many people just want Sears to come back, right? <laughs> Uh, Kohl's to open 100 small format stores. That's the story. That's the story I just I just saw on the wire a couple days ago. Uh, they want to open these little stores, small formats, over the next four years. Um, so that's a little different, right? They don't want to be the big box store because their their plan, their big box store plan, isn't working. Also, like a lot of overhead, They're, the big box store is probably expensive to run too, right? Um, so if you're if you're not utilizing all of the store and you're not doing so well, then you have this giant store that you're probably paying a lot of rent or mortgage or and taxes on that isn't exactly doing doing very well then you know you're going to want to move out uh the other thing too with the mall so when i talked to uw lacrosse economics professor adam hoffer you know his idea was to build housing build housing either right adjacent to the mall or maybe part of the mall build some towers and then all of a sudden you have instant customers how many customers are going to go to the 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 high v if they're if they're living at the mall if they're living in an apartment at the mall, it seemed like a great idea. Like uh, there's also the mall, the mall auction also included riverfront property. I don't know how it would work. I think you would have to ask the city council to change some zones. We always see how well that works, but if you change some zoning and allowed some apartment buildings to go on the riverfront, and then those people are walking distance from the mall and whatever stores are in there, it sounds like a, a perfect plan. All right. I got to take one more break. We'll be back. <laughs> All right, welcome back to the Crosstalk PM. Just going to wrap up here a couple minutes. 
608-785-7914 is the text line, the talk line. I probably could squeeze a call in if you want it. I'm not not taking calls. It's never That's never the case when I'm just rambling on my own. Uh, I, I did uh, appreciate Congressman Ron Kine, U.S. House Rep. Co- Congressman Ron Kine coming on, uh, representing the 3rd Congressional District. He's been at this for 26 years, uh, retiring now this year at the end of this term. And... Uh, he's gone through redistricting twice, so there, it was interesting to hear him say, yeah, my, my district's pretty competitive, <laughs> like, but the rest of them aren't at all. So that was pretty interesting. And then um, the idea that uh, he doesn't, he's never traded stocks, except for some certain ones, whatever, not stocks per se, but some, I'm not a big, I have no idea about that stuff, but uh, he, he, he has never done that and doesn't think Congress should be doing that. Number three's calling in. Number three, what do you got? Well, I want to thank you for taking my call. Yeah. And gas is going to hit $5 a gallon. Yep. Stock market's going to hell in a handbasket. Is it? I'm not going to are let sh- my wife you- go to the mall. Are you sure the stock market's going to hell? Well, every time I get my stuff from my 401k, it keeps getting worth less and less all the time. When? I feel Everybody like the f- I talk to I don't, is I- taking a big bath. In the last five years? In the last couple months. Well, the last couple months, I don't know. I, I, uh, the, the gas thing is confusing. Well, here's the thing, too, is like uh, I mentioned it to Ron, all these corporations are making record profits and then using those profits to enrich themselves. So they're not like they're not they're not trickling it down to the rest of us. Number three. That's for damn sure. So it would be nice Talk to somebody uh, that's got a 401k. What it's doing? Yeah. Well, I yeah, do, anybody you, you talk to that's got one, if, if they say they're not losing money, I think they're lying to you. All right. Well, from what I hear, the economy has never been better. For whatever that's worth, the stock market has never been better. I don't really, I mean, I might have a some 401k situation, but the idea that I buy and sell stocks is ludicrous. Uh, I don't really care about the stock market. And that's the thing, like, right? We don't want high gas prices or high prices for anything. We don't like to see those prices go up. Uh, but on the flip side, when those corporations are making record profits, why are you raising prices? What's the deal there? Uh, I can never get a straight answer from anyone. Even the economists I had on last week wouldn't give me a straight answer on it. Or the answer I wanted, I guess. I should be fair. All right, that's all the time I got. We'll be back tomorrow. Whether you're a seasoned chef or just starting your culinary journey, Cooley Region Cooks is your new podcast resource. Discover new techniques. Hear from local culinary heroes who are mastering the art of the kitchen. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 on WIZM. Stream your favorite cooking tips, local chef interviews, and mouth-watering recipes on the WIZM app. Or find us on your favorite podcast platform. Stay updated and engaged by following us on Facebook. Just search Cooley Region Cooks today.